This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, April 28th, 2019. Waiting. Waiting. (laughs) It's a challenge, isn't it? Even for 30 seconds, seems like forever. Waiting. You should have been up here. Yeah. We're going to talk about that this morning, waiting. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm waiting to say my name's Alan Jones. I'm Alan Jones. Woo, this is going to be rough. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to welcome those of you who are joining us on Facebook Live. Thank you for being here. Would you pray, please? Thank you, God, for waiting. And God, we give you this time. Open our hearts that we might be changed and transformed, that we might hear your word found in Scripture, and that we might cling to you in the waiting. We pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the risen Christ. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Wait, wait, wait. It's something I think we all do, but something I'm not sure we're all terribly fond of. And yet we wait. We wait in the grocery line. It's part of the game. We wait for the waitress. It's there in her name. We wait in Orlando to go on a ride. We wait when we're fishing for the incoming tide. We wait at the ballpark for hot dogs and fries. We wait for the oven to heat up for pies. We wait in line as our cars pass inspection. We wait for the medicine to cure the infection. We wait in traffic to and from work. We wait for the blessing before we can pick up our fork. (laughs) We wait for the bus, we wait for the train, we wait for the taxi, (sighs) we wait for the plane. Waiting just seems to be something we do. I wonder, can we outwait the child's terrible too? People, he wrote that. I thought that was pretty good. (laughs) Dr. Seuss, Dr. Jones. There you go. All right, we are talking about waiting. So there's waiting like what Alan described in in grocery lines and at stoplights, but then there's waiting. The waiting that really makes a difference in our lives. The waiting that is crucial at times when we're in that spot. The waiting that might be a game changer kind of waiting in our life. You're probably coming in your mind with those kinds of waiting, you know, waiting for the doctor to give you a result, waiting for the outcome of a job interview, waiting to be asked, will you marry me, waiting to see if the offer on the house was accepted, waiting to see if the mortgage company will give you the loan that you need, waiting to have a child, waiting for a baby to be born, waiting to hear if the surgery was successful, waiting to see if the heart attack was not fatal, waiting to see if the cancer that we've battled hasn't returned, waiting. Waiting is a part of our lives. It is a part of our lives, and it is so challenging at times. And frustrating. How about when you maybe... Maybe this happens to me sometimes when you 
call and get the recording. Maybe oftentimes I find it when it's in reference to some problem with my credit card or maybe a health insurance, something like that. You call and you get five or six number choices to choose from and you pick and then you get five or six more and then you get, and finally, you finally get a voice, but it's a recording and it's telling you that you're going to wait and wait. And wait. I find myself, I try if possible to set aside a time when I have some time where I'm at peace at least to start with where hopefully I won't be standing on the desk by the end of that phone call. It's challenging to find that little window of time, though. In fact, this past week, I think it was two weeks ago, I was, had to get on the phone about some uh, a tax thing I was doing, an uh, online tax thing. And after I got through all the numbers, I was finally put on hold, and an hour later, it's still, and the music was enough to want me to strangle the phone. Oh, my goodness. And I still hadn't talked to anybody by the end of that. I, it I was guess, April 15th, people. No, 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 it wasn't. It, I didn't wait till the 15th. This was before I was trying so I wouldn't get to the 15th. And then this week I had some with some health and It was just an all-star two weeks with those. And I have to say with the, with the health insurance, I didn't pick the best time. I had to do a lot of apologizing because that person you finally talk to, by the time you get to them, oh, because <laughs> you've been doing all this way, yeah, I got to do a lot of apologizing when they finally caught that person on the phone. Do I get any, does anybody else feel this? Anybody else? Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. I thought I was the only one that was challenged by those calls. So waiting. Waiting is not anything new. It goes all the way back to the beginning of time. When we look in the book of Genesis, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. All right. But he still had to wait. <laughs> he still, God didn't instantly bring him a partner. Scripture tells us he brought in front of Adam all the livestock, all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air, so that Adam could name them. And I guess as he's naming them, he's deciding whether they're going to be a suitable partner. And, you know, everybody likes a puppy, right? But I don't think that cut it because it says that no, not a partner was to be found. And so then God proceeded to produce a partner from one of Adam's ribs. You know the story. And Adam was thrilled with what the result of that was. And so I guess that was a lot of waiting, but for Adam it was worth the wait. Can I get an amen, guys? Amen. That was kind of half-hearted. Oh, my. Waiting. Waiting <laughs> did not stop with Adam. Abraham. Abraham waited for 75 years for that child that was promised. 75 years. God promised the child when Abraham was 25, and God delivered that child when Abraham was 100 years old. That's a lot of waiting. Has anybody here waited 75 years for a kid? Okay, okay. The Hebrew people, on the other hand, they waited 400 years to be freed from enslavement in Egypt, 400 years. Finally, God brought them Moses, right? And God used Moses to free God's people. Of course, once they left Egypt, there was some more waiting. <clears throat> Took 40 years of desert wandering before the people of he, the Hebrew people were properly prepared. They weren't ready to go yet. They needed 40 years of seasoning before God figured they were ready to cross the River Jordan and into the Promised Land. 
Throughout Psalms, Psalms in the Old Testament, we read about King David waiting. There's um, Psalm 40 that we'd like to share, verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, David writes. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Mm. English Standard Version. That verse says God pulled David out of the pit of destruction, a miry bog. That doesn't sound good, does it? No. NIV doesn't sound any better. God, in that version, God lifts David out of the slimy pit, the mud and the mire. The New Living Translation calls it the pit of despair, and the New uh, Revised Standard Version calls it the desolate pit. Whatever it's called, it's a terrible, lonely, destructive place, a place where we get stuck in the muck. You ever been there? I have. It's no fun. It's not a fun place. And waiting patiently on the Lord is in that place isn't any fun either. And it seems like forever. That 30 seconds seemed like a lot. That's nothing compared to what it feels like when you're in that pit. And yet we patiently wait for the Lord, and in time, the Lord delivers. In time, the Lord delivers. And as the scripture, as uh, David shares with us there, he sets our feet on the solid rock, a solid rock, making our steps secure. And God puts a new song in our mouth, a song of praise for him. And so we're given new life. When we put our trust in the Lord, even when we're in that slimy pit. Amen. Throughout all of scripture, from cover to cover, we see, we find people waiting on the Lord. And that waiting can be a really, really long time. Hundreds of years, in fact. And of course, for God, that's nothing. That's nothing. God has all the time in the world. And God's timing is perfect. And we say it. And the, the thing is to believe it, to believe it. At times we get pretty impatient at the way that God operates, and sometimes we're less than patient. Sometimes we get tired of waiting for the Lord. No matter how impatient we get, it does not change God's timing. Sometimes I think if I just get more impatient, more impatient, God will change God's timing, <laughs> and God's timing is God's timing. So at the end of the day, on that first Easter, last Sunday we were talking about Easter because, hello, it was Easter. Um, that first Easter 2,000 years ago, at the end of the day, we read in the book of Luke, chapter 24, of a couple of guys who have waited. They've waited for Jesus. They, they represent Israel. As that nation long awaited the coming of the Messiah. Here's what we read, Luke 24, beginning of verse 13. This is the New International Version. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. 
He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Mm. The key statement in this passage for us this morning is this, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped, had hoped. Hope involves waiting. When we hope for something, we wait for something. And these guys had been hoping for a long time, probably, probably their whole lives. And, and in such, I think they represent Israel here. The, the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, had been hoping, they'd been waiting a really long time for the Redeemer, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one who would bring salvation, the one who would deliver them and give them new life. Waiting a long time. We can go back to the book of Isaiah and read of how the people there are waiting. And that was 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And they've been waiting even before that. Waiting has been a serious part of life for the Hebrew people as represented by these two men on the road to Emmaus. Will you read the scripture that's highlighted up there with me now? But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Had hoped. Had hoped. As far as these two are concerned, that hope is gone. It reminds us of the message where uh, we presented last week where Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John had stopped at the cross. They figured it was over. They didn't understand that Jesus had risen. We said this last week. The cross is crucial. The empty tomb is essential. Say it with me, the cross is crucial, the empty tomb is essential. Essential. Same with these two guys, like Mary last week, they did not recognize the risen Jesus, even when he was standing right there with them, walking with them. They didn't recognize him. Maybe he looked different, maybe the sun was in their eyes, I don't know. Maybe they just weren't expecting him. Same kind of thing as Mary last week at the tomb. They were not expecting 
to see Jesus, the risen Christ. Mm. Isn't it funny how Jesus can be right there with us, right in our midst that we don't see him? That's true for us as well as those guys back then. You know, for us, things are happening around us, unexpected things, uh, hoped for things, out of the ordinary things, miracle things, only Jesus could deliver kind of things, and yet we fail to realize that Jesus is there, that Jesus is here, right here. Kind of strange. It's kind of funny, but I guess it's not that unusual. I mean, in the story this week and last week's story, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, was right there face-to-face in the flesh, and they didn't see him. And we don't see him either. I don't mean in the flesh, but in the things going on around us. I guess just like them, maybe we don't expect to see him. Maybe that's why we don't see Jesus and what's going on. Sometimes we don't expect. And I find that really strange because Jesus told us, told them, tells us to expect him. He told his followers he would be with them, that he would be with us, if not in person, in spirit, right? I mean, that's, that's the message. I'll be there. And so why is it that we are so surprised when Jesus does exactly what he's told us he's going to do? Huh, I can't believe it. It's like Jesus was right there. Duh. He told you he was going to be. Why are you so surprised? Merely doing what he told us he would do. Why is it that we don't expect Jesus to spew and to be all that he told us he would? Maybe the bottom line is, for the faithful, you and I, maybe we're not so full of faith after all. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That had to be a long walk. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I know that when I have, in retrospect, come in contact with with the Holy Spirit of Jesus, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, my heart was burning. And this is the same thing. We're not our hearts burning. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Mm. And so they finally recognized Jesus. They realized his presence with them 
in the breaking of the bread. It's often true for us as well, isn't it? When we break bread during the Holy Communion and we realize Jesus' presence with us as well. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. It turns out that their hope was realized because he was the one, he is the one who came to redeem Israel, who came to redeem each one of us, trading his life so that we could have life and have it to the full. People waited hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for a savior, and he came exactly when he was supposed to. They waited, God delivered in God's time, and yes, it was a long, long wait, but it sure was worth the wait. Amen. You know, it seems like there's a lot of waiting when we partner with God. (laughs) I guess that's because God doesn't do things when we want them done. Because God isn't controlled by our clock. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. You know, God's timing is perfect. And sometimes, most times, that perfect timing takes time. It's hard for us. Because for us, it takes patience. And some patience is something we oftentimes don't have. I know I don't sometimes. But the patience pays off because God does deliver. God does deliver. Waiting. So we've been waiting a long time to sit in the sanctuary, haven't we? We waited a long time. In fact, it was 13 years. I mean, that seemed like an eternity to some of us who started this journey. Waiting. I mean, my goodness, we waited for it to be started. We waited for it to be finished. We waited a lot longer than we thought that we would, longer than we wanted to. In fact, some of us were praying for God to hurry up. Hurry up. I mean, really, God... Don't you want us to connect even more people with Jesus and the new life he offers? This is good waiting, God, but make it happen. And, you know, little did we know, but God knew. God knew that the level of the water table in November would be at a 100-year high. God knew. 100-year high. Had our prayers been answered the way we were praying we would have had a disaster with our septic system. It would have needed to have been redone at a very high cost to us, so thank God. Thank God, and I mean it. Thank God that he did not listen to us because God's timing is perfect. He he made us wait. Yeah. It's been a tough couple months. There's a lot of restart going on, but God's in it. And the waiting has paid off. God delivered. And here we are, week three. You know what that also shows, it just hit me, is, you know, God's in the big things, but God's also in the little things, isn't he? God's even in the septic systems. (laughs) God concerns himself even with our septic system because that's important. That's an important thing. It was important for us. And God cares about us, doesn't he? Yeah. Waiting, it's not easy especially when we're waiting on God. It's not easy, but it is necessary. 
So the question for you is, what is it that you're waiting for that maybe you wish would happen sooner, that you just can't understand why God won't hurry things along? Well, keep this in mind. Our sight is limited. God has the big picture. (laughs) The big picture. So he's much further, much broader than we do. And God's not only taking our little self situation into account, he's taking each and every one of everybody's situation into account. It's like a big puzzle piece, a big puzzle thing, I think. You know, we're starting something much, much bigger than, in my case, Allen World, Carrie World. Put your name there and then say world after it, right? He's much more concerned than that just little piece of everything that's going on. You know, as that song that we learned as children says, he's got the whole world in his hand. Yeah. So we ask the question again, what are you waiting for? (laughs) What are you waiting for? Maybe you've been waiting for something for a while, and it is just putting you in that place, that miry place, that dark place, that place where... It seems that it's getting darker and darker and dimmer and dimmer. Maybe you're waiting for your life to change. Well, we're here to tell you that he has come to walk with us through those dark places, and he has come to help us so that our lives can change. Because no matter where we are in that dark spot, it's never dark, like the light is never out because he is hope. He said, I am the light of the world. No matter how dark our world gets, there is still light because there is still hope because he conquered the grave. It's never finished because God triumphed. He is on the throne. He conquered death itself. What are you waiting for? Like Mary and the men on the road to Emmaus, maybe you don't recognize him when he's in your midst. We're here to tell you he's here. He is with you. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit resides in you. You are never, ever alone. And if you're not a believer, today's the day. Don't leave here alone because God wants to have your life and to care for you. I have spent so much of my life being like thinking, God, you know, I know what's better for me than you know what's better for me. That is ridiculous. Trust. Surrender. Today's the day for that. What are you waiting for? In this beautiful place, we have steps all the way around, not just in two places, This is a place where you can come up and get on your knees before the Lord. And then we have our prayer corner back there, and Mike and Maria are back there, and they would love to pray with you. You can pray in your seats. God, I am just spinning my wheels. I'm sorry, God, that I'm in charge of my life because you do such a better job. I surrender, God, be the leader of my life. That's all you have to say. And if you're already a believer, we need to say that all the time. And if this is new to you, give it a try. What's the alternative? 
It's not good. Jesus has come, and our waiting is over. He is here. In addition to that waiting, maybe, maybe you're waiting for something else. I don't know what it might be. All kinds of possibilities. I would give you a suggestion, though. We would give you a suggestion. Rather than asking God to speed things up, how about asking God to give you the patience and strength? Ask God to help you see the bigger picture, maybe help you see with God's eyes rather than your eyes. Ask God to help you understand, realize there's a whole lot more to the picture than you're able to see with your human eyesight. Here's the really big one. Maybe each and every one of us could just let God be God. Never ceases to amaze me how we try to tell God what God should do, how God should go about it. Well, God, if you just did this, this, this. I'm sure he's going up there, well, thank you. I'm not sure I could have functioned (laughs) without your guidance today. It's not how it works, is it? We don't say jump and God says how high. (laughs) Let's let God be God. He's pretty good at it. (laughs) Don't try to tell God what to do, but ask God to help you, us, as we patiently wait for the Lord. Amen. That's the good news. Let's live it and let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, I am going to just... Pray these words right out of your psalm. Psalm 91. He or she who dwells in the shelter shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, help us rest in the shadow of the Almighty, in your shadow, so that we will say of the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Almighty God, hear my cry, O God, Psalm 61. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. Psalm 62. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O Connection Church. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. We praise your name and we thank you. In the mighty name, you are the one who we hope for and we thank. In the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692 Connection Community Church Connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers